Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. For one, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Growth with Portia, a weekly conversation for your personal and professional growth. Here is your host, Portia Booker. Hey, listeners, welcome to Grew with Portia. I'm your host, Portia Booker, and yes, this is my real name. So question for you, did you bring your curious mind today? If so, I don't want to keep you waiting. Let's dive in. So May is another special month in Portia's history book. It's not only Mental Health Awareness Month, but also the first time I officially shared my mental health journey on Grew with Portia back in 2020. And what I realized, if I continued to stay silent about my mental health journey, I would have stayed a prisoner of the stigma. So question for my listeners today, how are you prioritizing your mental wellness on a daily basis? And if you are not, what's stopping you? Let that sink in. So today I'm joined by a returning guest who witnessed my moment of freedom right here on Group of Portia. She is a mental wellness advocate herself, transformational speaker, and author of the book, Hashtag Driven. Recently, she accepted a new position with the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. So without further delay, welcome back to Guru Portia, attorney Corey Miner-Smith. How are you doing today, Corey? I am well. Hello, Portia. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing. Um, it was very touching to be a part of that moment with you. I remember it uh, today when you shared for the first time. So thank you for being open and vulnerable and sharing your experience and journey with others to hopefully help them to also become free from the stigma. Absolutely. Corey, you know, it's funny when I think back to that day, it's like, you know how you want to say something so bad, but like you keep fighting against it. You know, it's like what I call the word vomit effect where you're trying to keep it down, but it's just like urging and urging and urging. Yeah. That's literally what happened that day. It just, wow. like, I'm coming out. Regardless yes. of what you have to say, Portia, today is the day you set yourself free. And so yes. that's exactly how it happened. So I, I thank you 
for being a part of that journey of liberation and continued growth and my mental health journey and the growth of grew at Porsche because I had just started it back in October of yeah. 2019. So it's like the expansion, not only in myself, but also in my show is just amazing. Sometimes I get goosebumps like, whoa, is yes. Portia really doing this? <laughs> yes, that's awesome, Portia. Yes, yes. And so Corey, I always love to start off these conversations with gratitude. So what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for feeling the importance of taking things day by day. For the very first time in my life, I feel like I am not on quadruple fast forward and I am good with taking things day by day. Corey, I love that. It's the power of being present in the Mm -hmm. moment. Because I think oftentimes when we're caught up in the corporate space, we have multiple projects, we think we have to be in the grind or the trenches 24 seven. And recently I went to a networking event back in March and the opening speaker asked us to pick a word to describe the day and set the tone. And I picked the word present because Mm. I wanted to be fully invested in my time, in my day, and not be in two places at one time, right? Because we're often, our mind is in one spot, either in the future or in the past. And I wanted to just be in that day fully so I could really feel everything, all the emotions, really connect with people. Because how can we really connect when it's like our phone line is calling somebody in Indonesia, but the phone is stationary. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. We, we are accessible, you know, in so many ways, on so many platforms and formats, <laughs> so many modes of operation of communication. And um, we have to learn to reduce that, you know, at times throughout the day, turning the ringer off. Um, just turning the television off, just things that you can do to just be in the moment for just a moment, if only for just a moment. It's very, very valuable time. Corey, I can't disagree with that. I mean, when I tell you now, since I've left corporate, um, actually two months ago again, I feel so much lighter. I'm able Mm. to really take every day as a gift. Yes. Mm. I get up. I mean, I still get up at the crack of dawn. You know me, I'm up at 4am. because <laughs> Mr. Fletcher has to go out for P o'clock. And you know, I can't have him leaving little gifts around the house or he'll be outside. So yeah. <laughs> and I still I'm able to just take my time and really mm-hmm. invest my energy in everything from cooking all my meals in the morning to my gratitude journal to, you know, practicing my writing, reflecting. It's it's a different type of freedom. You know, we talk about freedom all the time, but to me, that is true freedom. Right. Is being able to apply your time and energy in the way that you want to, the flexibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Corey, for you, what when you realize now that you have that gift of being present fully in everything, what's one thing that you do every single day 
that you indulge your energy in that it's just both replenishing, educational, and you can't wait to do it the next day? Actually, just what you said, um, not necessarily writing, but just having the opportunity to sit and let my thoughts freely flow. Um, that's just invaluable to me because, again, I feel like I have lived my life on quadruple fast forward and there was no time for simple things. You know, I felt like it was a waste of time if I wasn't doing something that I deemed to be productive. <laughs> and so I have found that it is productive just to sit and allow myself to just think and reflect, be introspective. How do I want to move about and present myself as I move forward in my life uh, in this world? Um, so whether it's just sitting, I have my grandmother's rocking chair, and that may make it even more like, you know, sentimental and special. But just sitting in my grandmother's rocking chair and looking out the window brings me so much comfort and joy. I wish I would have started doing it <laughs> before now. <laughs> Corey, I can relate with the sentimental part because I sit at my kitchen table in my great grandmother's chair that yes. she sat in every day up until she couldn't walk anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like that inspiration that you get. And then there's a picture of her in the kitchen with my mom above the TV. So it's like, I get to see her yeah. while I'm, you know, in flow, what you call it. And, <laughs> and so Corey, for you, when you're in that flow of writing, reflecting, what's the longest amount of time that you noticed went by? Wow. You know what? Just the other day I was sitting and it seemed like it was over an hour and I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> am I supposed to be doing something, <laughs> something else? I don't know. But I just really appreciated that I allowed myself to do that you know, and I give myself grace now, like instead of punishing or, or criticizing myself for not doing something that, again, that I deem to be productive. Um, and I have found that just sitting there for a moment, whether it goes into an hour or two, <laughs> is productive for me because it's um, allowing me to have uh, visions and thoughts of things that I can do further to help this um, advocacy uh, in terms of mental health and helping families and those who are living with severe mental illness, how I can have better relationships with people who are important to me um, and how I can have a, a better relationship with myself. You know, a part of my journey was just learning self-care, self-love and self-appreciation. So while I, you know, to the outside world have uh, accomplished a lot, those accomplishments don't necessarily and have not necessarily translated into an appreciation for myself. So I do want to take this time now that I am off of quadruple fast forward <laughs> to truly appreciate the things that I have uh, accomplished, the things that my children are accomplishing now, you know, and things that to look forward to in the, in the future. Oh, Corey, I can relate. You know, even though I'm still in that transitional phase of accomplishing like the things that you have, it's still such a wonderful thing to just have that moment of pause and reflection. Yes. Because my brother probably thinks I'm nuts because he... <laughs> 
one day he came in the kitchen and I have on my beat headphones. Like I listen to kind of like stimulating music while I'm writing to yes. keep my thoughts focused. And he he was saying something to me and then he had to like nudge me because I'm like, what? And he said, you didn't hear a word I said. I'm like, no. What were you saying? I said, I didn't even know you were in the kitchen. So right. <laughs> you were in your flow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm just turning every page in my notebook. I mean, sometimes I write eight pages. Sometimes I write 20. It just mm. depends. And to your point, I remember one time, I think I wrote for two and a half hours and didn't wow. even realize it felt like five minutes in my, <laughs> in my yeah. head. But when I looked at the time, I had started at six o'clock and then yeah. it was like 825. And I was like, oh, I got to get up. I got to, you know, make sure everything else is taken care of because my mom has to get up and do her routine. And I'm like, but just noticing the change in my body, the change in my tone and my breathing, you know, I, I tend to call writing like a relief kind of like you know how we we get constipated sometimes I feel like mm -hmm. sometimes our thoughts have the same effect in our body in our brain where yeah. we you know if we don't regularly reflect or get those things out of us then it you know settle in on our skin Ooh. and it when I take those moments to just free think free flow I'm able to show up better for me for the people who I host interviews with like you. And I just, I'm able to be the best version of myself because I prioritized that moment of self-care. Yes, that's awesome, uh, Portia. I truly appreciate uh, you sharing that and just helping people to know that, you know, it's okay if they, you know, just chill for a moment. Uh, mm -hmm. We need to accept and appreciate that, um, especially for anyone who, has operated like I have in my life and just feeling like nonstop I just had to be doing something that was moving me on to completing a project or whatever in my mind uh, I thought was going to get me to the next uh, goal that I wanted to reach but you won't have the energy you could um, you know wear your body down to such an effect that that will cause you not to <laughs> reach your goal so it's important to just Take the time to enjoy the time while you're in that particular time. Yes. Oh, my God, Corey, you hit the nail on the head because I can tell you from experience, my body let me know again. Hey, um, Portia, did you forget? <laughs> Don't you remember that this same thing happened a year ago because you didn't listen? So mm -hmm. I hope that you listen this time around. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have to listen to our bodies. Yes. Yes. It speaks to us whether we like it or not. So yes. we're going to take a quick break right here on Google Porsche. Everybody stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back right here on Group Porsche. I'm Dora Mutley with attorney Corey Miner-Smith. 
We've been having a great conversation, of course, about the power of being present in the moment and not being on triple, quadruple overtime of all of the things going on in our day. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Corey, as I mentioned in the beginning, May is National Mental Health Month. And social media, in my opinion, has made it easier to discuss mental health, whether it's through lives or, you know, people doing podcasting or posts, et cetera. So how do you think, Corey, communities of color are doing around having open discussions about mental wellness? Well, I really have seen a lot more openness and willing to talk about mental health issues and concerns Uh, people being vulnerable and sharing their personal journeys like you shared yours. And, you know, whatever it is that we see or feel or connected in regards to a celebrity, it seems that when those that are well-known express their personal journeys with uh, mental health issues or concerns, we relate even more. We are able to see them as a real person and then understand and know that whatever they're going through, we're going through it it's okay. If that's what helps people to understand that it's okay not to be okay, I'm good with that. Because ultimately, talking about it, sharing resources that are available in the community, that's what will help us to continue to move forward and know that we can still have high-functioning, productive lives, even if there are mental health issues and concerns that are a part of our life's journey. And that goes for those who are caregivers, Uh, for individuals who may live with severe mental illness. We don't talk about that enough to me. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times in the media, one of the first things we may hear when there is some act of violence, uh, mass shooting, for example, is someone having uh, some kind of mental disturbance we'll hear or, you know, uh, been previously medicated for mental health conditions. But there is so much more to living with a severe mental illness, any mental illness, or just having um, trouble with our mental health because we don't think that we can talk to our doctors about it during our physicals or whatever the case may be. So ultimately, not only in May, but 365, because in my opinion, it is a 365 issue. It is a global uh, issue. And it's something that we should talk about as much as we can so that we can continue to increase and expand awareness. Corey, I want to go back to what you mentioned about how when celebrities are transparent about their mental health journey and different things like that, we're able to feel more comfortable and confident that our story can be shared in the same way and also received. Mm-hmm. And so, Corey, I want to ask this. I mean, a lot of people always think of Kanye West whenever it comes to mental health, severe mental illness and that. And so, Corey, I've seen a mixture of things on social media. Some people say that they, you know, feel sorry for him. Then other people tend to say, oh, you know, he's just acting out of et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think when it comes to certain celebrities who openly show signs of mental illness. Why do you think there's so much flack given to them instead of more, this person needs help? Because we don't understand it. We may hear words like bipolar, 
schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, but not necessarily know what those words really mean, what those words entail for any individual, because it's just a diagnosis. Everybody's behaviors are not going to be the same, even though they may have the same diagnosis. And so for many, I think it's just a lack of understanding, perhaps a lack of compassion in some regards, um, and also just not understanding the complexities. You know, so we can say, well, why isn't his mother or wife or cousin or why isn't her daughter helping more? Why aren't they keeping them off the street? Why are they allowing them to go to jail? Well, there are laws in place, right? There are situations where sometimes it can be dangerous uh, to be near a person who is having a psychotic breakdown. And that's why it's important for us to have resources available in our community, not to create harm, because unfortunately there are too many people, Black people, who have been killed during a mental health crisis. And that's why it's important for us to have understanding, uh, awareness, and even more importantly, to know about resources that we are able to use, such as 988. That will be nationally available in July. And if you have T-Mobile <laughs> uh, as your carrier, you may have already been able to uh, use it because T-Mobile is like the first company to make 988 uh, available to the, its customers, cell phone customers. And so what is 988? Well, as you know, we can call 911 if we need help. We're in a crisis. We need medical first responders to come and help whatever the situation is. And as I just mentioned, uh, people have unfortunately been killed because of a mental health crisis. Well, many times when these things happen, we see the behaviors, even if we're not related to the person and we may think that this person needs help, but I don't know how to help them. Well, please know that now you could call 988. We're starting in July. You'll be able to call 988 where there will be trained individuals who can come out and assist with the matter. Someone who understands and knows the behaviors and de how to de-escalate de situations or to help someone who may have suicidal ideations at a time that a family member or friend is not able to help him or her. So to answer your question, lack of understanding. And I hope through your platform and others, whether it's a celebrity or not, we all have a voice and in whatever capacity we can use our voice, I believe, strongly believe that it can help other people. Corey, I love that you brought up the 988. I remember being on a call two years ago that talked mm -hmm. about the implementation of that. So I'm really excited that it's finally here. And so, Corey, question for you and, you know, for our listeners who are tuning in. You mentioned that they're going to be first responders when you dial that number 988. Do you by any chance know is they're going to be maybe like a social worker or, you know, kind of like maybe the process of how that would work? Because my thing that I'm thinking is I know, especially in communities of color, when, for example, 911 is called, you know, police come and there's already trauma around that. Mm -hmm. in a lot of communities of color. So do you by any chance maybe know, like, is there like a set team, you know, like in every state that, you know, maybe there's a social worker, maybe there's a psychiatrist. Do you by any chance know? 
what the process is? Well, that is another part of this, you know, as part as far as the implementation and those who will go out. But I know, for example, about CIT, the crisis intervention team. And many times there are law enforcement uh, that are included in that process because the police department, sheriff's department, they are intricate, intricately involved with the mental health organizations in the community. And as a specialized team, they are able to go out and address a matter. So you will see that even in the school system because they have in some areas, youth mobile crisis. Um, and so they are able to go out to a, a child's home or to you know, meet that child in the school. And many times the resource officer, which will be a police officer, is also there, not for intimidation, but to assist uh, with a trained mental health professional. And while the officer may not be a trained mental health professional, many times the officers as a part of their uh, in-service training through their department have mental health um, as a part of their training. I've been a part of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and going out as a panel to discuss mental health and you know ways to interact with someone who might be in a mental health crisis to law enforcement as a part of their training. Now, of course, you would need much more training than you know just a one and done type of situation. And I do believe I'm going to learn more about it myself but that there are officers who uh, have specialized training to be a part of these um, crisis intervention teams and to go out in the communities and help uh, those who are in need or having um, a mental health crisis. And so Corey, for our listeners who are tuning in, if there are a family member who potentially calls that number, you know, what should they know in advance? Like, what if should as far as what should they relay to the dispatcher you know this person is showing signs of psychosis or they're they're screaming at the walls like maybe what are some key tips you can leave with our listeners when they call that number to you know be prepared and you know also to keep themselves calm as well because when you make those phone calls you know, they can be intimidating, especially if you don't know you're already in a panic because you're worried about your loved one or friend, et cetera. So Corey, maybe what tips can you leave with our listeners today when they call that number as far as information that they should have before, you know, when they talk to the dispatcher? Well, you know what, Portia, I would go beyond uh, before it even gets to that point. Just through my lived experience, I have found it very important to have relationships established before a crisis comes. And this is, this is learned experience because I found in my family, we found ourselves seeking help when it was a crisis and only when it's a crisis. And like you mentioned, at that time, you, it's hard for you to stay in control and to be able to articulate what's going on in a way that someone who doesn't know anything that you're talking about when you first call is trying to understand. So prior to even getting to a point of crisis, I strongly encourage people to build relationships with uh, community organizations, the police department, um, the school system, whoever, wherever your loved one 
uh, interacts throughout the day, uh, it's important to have a relationship. So for example, if your loved one frequents a store, for example, and at any given time, your loved one could have a mental health crisis in that store, having the clerks know a number that they can call to, to contact a family member to assist in de-escalating or having the, the loved one uh, leave, leave the store or you know, finish the transaction, whatever it is. At the school, having a relationship with the school psychologist, the counselors, and the youth mobile crisis uh, team who will more than likely interact with your child if it's your child or you know who, your loved one. So having those relationships can be critical. If you don't have those relationships and you're calling before 988 is established, for example, and it's 911, of course indicate you know that this is a mental health crisis. This is we would need please send someone who has training with mental health crisis uh, de-escalation. Um, and to try to calmly describe what what the what the situation is. Unfortunately, as we have heard many times throughout this country, individuals express that same information, whether they're calm or not, they express that information and still police come to the scene and the loved one is killed. So it's just important to continue to talk about these uh, things, to educate people, law enforcement, uh, school systems, even work environments, works that have more compassion, uh, conscious, compassion and consciousness about mental health issues uh, and concern. I don't wanna say issues, but mental health conditions that can impact employees. You know, they're able to work they may need a reasonable accommodation or something like that, but they're able to work and understanding that, that you should have resources in place in the workplace, in the school, in the church, and in the police departments to help our community to be more successful in addressing the needs of those who live in the community. Oh, yeah, Corey, absolutely. I mean, and you're right. I can't tell you the number of stories I've heard and then they play the recording on the news that shows this is a mental health crisis. This person is, you know, shouting at the walls or, you know, they're pulling their hair out, whatever symptoms they're describing, you know. Right. And like you said, here comes the situation where they're, you know, unfortunately their life is lost because the communication wasn't relayed in the way that it should have been. Or the person who unfortunately there are also situations where it seems that there was no effort to de-escalate mm -hmm. the situation mm -hmm. and it was straight to uh, lethal means mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether the person had something that could be seen as a weapon or just acting uncontrollably or the efforts to de-escalate go too far mm -hmm. and it leads to suffocation or whatever may be the cause of death so it's just important, again, with the training, those who, are, who go out to these particular calls being trained to assist in de-escalating a mental health crisis and getting the person treatment, not incarceration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Help, not handcuffs. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to take another quick break right here on Google Porsche. Everybody stick with us. We'll be right back.
everybody. Welcome back right here on Google Porsche. I'm Jordan Mutley with attorney Corey Miner-Smith. We were just having a great conversation, of course, about mental health and communities of color and about the new number that you can call that will be available in July 988 for a mental health crisis. And so, Corey, you know, you brought up in our last segment, too, about being a caregiver and also caring for someone with mental illness. And so Corey, as someone such as myself, who has bipolar disorder, also caring for someone else who has severe anxiety, what tips can you offer for caregivers as far as whether it's self-care or, you know, ways to not let the burden of their current situation just bring them completely down? What, what tips can you offer people today, Corey? Well, Portia, I must say, you know, being a caregiver in and of itself is a tremendous responsibility. And it's an important responsibility. And as one who has been a caregiver, whether, you know, for my children, we may not think of, you know, as a mom being a caregiver, but you are a caregiver as a mom. But not only a mom to my children or a caregiver to my children, but also being in the position of being a caregiver um, for my mom. Some would call that the sandwich generation, but typically they look at that when you're a little bit older in your life. And, you know, maybe your your parent is uh, a senior at that point and you still have young children in the home. Well, mine started way early. I was in college. (laughs) I was in college. uh, My junior year when my mother asked to uh, live with me. And then I had my oldest son, my senior year. So taking care of my son, taking care uh, of my mother with her living with me. She helped a lot at the time. She, she did help a lot uh, when she could, but I just, in terms of, of having that responsibility though, I think it's important to share five things. And you can see this in, in my book, Hashtag Driven, But I have five suggestions for families and friends that have a loved one specifically living with mental illness, because there are all types of caregivers, right? All types of caregivers, but specifically for those who are living with mental illness. And my number one thing is to pray. Number two is to educate yourself about the illness or illnesses. Sometimes there's more than one diagnosis and have realistic expectations. Number three, maintain current contact information for local mental health and law enforcement resources. We talked earlier in the last segment about establishing relationships before you get to the point of having a crisis. And it's important to maintain current contact information because unfortunately, many of these jobs are, have high turnover rates. And a person that you were just talking to last month may not be there this month. And you need to stay in contact with those who provide outside resources for your loved one. Number four, reach out for support, even for yourself. It's okay to go to counseling. So here's a part of the self-care aspect. You know, self-care, you think of this billion-dollar industry with all going to the spy and all these different things that you could do that are called air quote self-care. But self-care, as we talked about, can just be sitting at the kitchen table in your great-grandmother's chair. For me, sitting in my grandmother's rocking chair and taking that moment and appreciating the moment. Whatever self-care is for you, 
make sure that you take time to do it. Because as I said earlier, being a caregiver is, has, uh, is, a, is a tremendous responsibility. And you're not only taking care of your life, you're taking care of a whole nother human being. So make sure that you are getting the support that you need. If it's counseling, uh, whatever type of therapy, you know, uh, yoga, going to church, whatever it is for you. And number five, working closely with your loved one's treatment team. Some people have uh, this very special team that works with them called the ACT team, the Assertive um, Community Treatment Team. It's a specialized group of trained individuals, mental health professionals that could be the doctor, the nurse, and caseworkers that help a person navigate through this thing we call life. Whether your loved one has a, uh, is a part of an ACT team or just family who has huddled around and made themselves available to help, you have to work closely together. Taking breaks, for example, like respite, if you will, right? You take shifts and who can take the person out for the day or give you a break for the day or a couple of hours. Making sure that you have something established with a core group of people that help. Because even if you could do it by yourself, you don't need to do it by yourself. And you need to understand and know that you don't have to do it by yourself. So five things, pray, educate yourself about the illness or illnesses, maintain current contact information, reach out for support, even for yourself, and work closely with your loved one's treatment team. Those are my five tips. Corey, I love those. I mean, it's funny that when you mention them, because I did read your book and I love see- seeing that because that's something that I do now. You know, I pray every morning. I definitely read up on various things, whether it's different tips for anxiety or because I have high functioning anxiety sometimes, depending mm-hmm. on what I'm doing or, you know, when depression tries to cripple me, you know, I find other ways to get myself out of that funk. You know, yes. and then, you know, maintaining contact. I'm the queen of maintaining numbers. I'm telling <laughs> you, I can memorize numbers like that. Wow. You know, I keep them. Also, you know, reaching out for support. I'm just thankful that I've been blessed with a wealth of a support system that I have. I mean, mm-hmm. from my coaches to, you know, my other extended family that I've met over the last couple months who pour into me that always help me, even, even if I don't reach out to them directly, they know, they just reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. How are things going? Mm. And I have that trust built with them to be honest and share, Hey, today's not a great day, but here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm doing to help myself today. Yes. And then your last tip, you know, working closely with the care team of your loved one, that can sometimes be challenging at times because yes, that's one of the boats that I've been in for a while with the person who I care for, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause sometimes they don't always want to work with you. And, you know, it's like, you're also trying to take care of yourself and also trying to make sure to that your loved one is taken care of. So sometimes you're like burning the candle at both ends, 
But you're right, though, about being a caregiver. It's a tremendously big job, but it can be very rewarding at Mm -hmm. times, I will admit. Corey, I got to ask you this. Your point number four about about reaching out for support. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome the fear and the guilt of reaching out for support when, you know, you were caring for your loved one, your mom? What did that look like for you to overcome that? And how can others, you know, let go of that stigma that asking for help is a bad thing? I can't say that I was fearful uh, or ashamed of of reaching out for help. It was more not knowing uh, at first, right? Um, So for example, the the first incident that I could think of right now is just when I was in college. And it became overwhelming uh, to have my mom live with me uh, at a moment. And, and you will read about this in Hashtag Driven, but my friend and I switched uh, apartments. My friend came and moved in with me and my mom moved into my friend's apartment. And so it was right across the street so I could still check on her and uh, stop by. But when it came to a point where I couldn't get inside, I knew I needed help because I had to check on my mom. I had to make sure she was okay. She wasn't answering the door and I couldn't get inside. She had barricaded the door closed. So I called for help. And who I remember coming was probably a CIT, a a crisis intervention team, because the caseworker came. I remember the ambulance came. And I don't recall, I think of the police were the ones who actually opened the door but everyone had their role and um, they were able to have my mom calm enough to remove her from the home uh, to take her to get help. But quite honestly, through this whole journey and all of these different experiences, that's how I was able to develop what seems like five simple steps, but it came from years of experience and trying to just navigate the, the mental health care system. And even first of all, knowing that that was a thing, that there is, first of all, mental illness, that there are then um, organizations, uh, specialized medical treatment to help with mental illness. And then establishing those personal relationships where, wherever we may have lived at the time and knowing that I will ultimately at some point may have to rely on them to help for things that I'm not able to do or my family and I are not able to do on our own. Well, Corey, you know, I'm the same, just like you. A lot of my experience was years worth of things that I've learned, that I've read, because I had shared on my Facebook a couple months ago where someone close to me had a mental health crisis. And I'm thankful that I was their go-to person Mm -hmm. because I knew about their condition. I knew the different signs that they exhibited, et cetera. And I was able to kind of walk them down from where they were because they were all the way up here and nobody could get through to them at all. And I was just thankful to be there. Like, Even though after that whole incident, I had to kind of like fall on the floor and kind of like cry for a minute. Yeah. (laughs) But it was 
to me, even though in that moment it was scary, I'm just glad that they were able to come back to themselves because I was present for them. Yes. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if one, I didn't invest in my own mental health, you know, care and journey and also recognize once again going back to being present in the moment Mm -hmm. recognizing that this person was beside themselves they weren't their normal jovial and that and the fact that they reached out to me you know and I just I just felt honored and you know I'm I'm grateful to this day that they are still here And, and to your point you know sometimes when those moments happen in that moment, we're in Panicsville. We don't know what to do. But once we get through that, we're able to take that moment and apply what we learned, what we did into another situation to continue the circle of inspiration and healing of people. Amen. Yes. And it, I'm telling you, Corey, I literally fell on the floor. I was like, I have to break yes. for a minute. Like. <laughs> we have to realize, like, you know, things are overwhelming and it doesn't mean that you're not strong or it doesn't mean that you've lost faith or, mm-hmm. you know, you're not trusting in God enough or whatever your religion or spiritual belief, or if you have none, whatever that system of higher power that gives you life, it doesn't mean that you believe less. But sometimes things are overwhelming. And as I've said on my, I, on my Instagram before, it was like, you, ha- you have to allow yourself to feel all the feels. And I think of that Disney uh, cartoon um, that each character is a feeling or an emotion, right? Inside out. Inside out. <laughs> Inside out. You may have, you know, experience all of those feelings and emotions in one day. It's okay. Like allow yourself to feel what you feel. And if you feel that you're staying in one particular feeling too long, it's okay to seek assistance with that, to talk it through with someone, a professional, and, you know, follow whatever recommendations the licensed, trained person may give to you. Or if you communicate with a family member or a pastor, whoever can give you some type of guidance to let you know that it's okay to not be okay. And it's also okay to have help and support from outside resources. You don't have to do it all yourself. Oh, Corey, absolutely. Say that louder for the people in the back, because that (laughs) is key. You know, I think a lot of times when we become adults, we feel like we have to take on the world as though we're Superman. We don't need to ask for help but that's what people are there for that's yeah take what... that cape off take the cape off it's yep. okay <laughs> yep. use take... it as a blanket and take a nap for a second <laughs> right right a- absolutely Corey. absolutely <laughs> well we're going to take another quick break right here on google porsche everybody stick with us we will be right back
right, everybody. Welcome back right here on Google Porsche. Oh, Corey, thank you so much for coming back on. I always love having you on this time of year. This is what your third year in a row that you've been stuck yeah. with me. <laughs> and I thank you again. And Corey, for our listeners who are tuning in, if they are interested in getting your book, Hashtag Driven, or keeping up with your journey, is there a website or a social media handle you want to share with us today? Sure. Really simple. CoreyEmpowers.com. That's C-O-R-E-Y-E-M-P-O-W-E-R-S.com. And also I can be um, reached on Instagram through Corey Empowers. And you will see there is a uh, link tree. So for those who would like a little resource guide, I have a mental health resource guide. I call it my go-to mental health resource guide full of different book titles, movie titles, uh, podcasts, organizations, um, just a lot of information that can help you to learn more, help you to expand your uh, network for you or your loved one, and just ultimately to share with someone else that you think may uh, benefit from having it. And another five keys to loving a loved one with severe mental illness. Um, those are just things that I share again from lived experience and some of the research that I've done. I'm also a trained NAMI facilitator, and I find that to be very beneficial. Again, just trying to help other families who are uh, experiencing this and just don't know what to do. Um, so thank you for that, Portia, but CoreyEmpowers.com and CoreyEmpowers on Instagram. Excellent, excellent. Definitely, everybody give Corey a look over on social media. She's got a lot of great resources for not just you, but also your family members as well to keep the circle of education and inspiration alive. Mm -hmm. Corey, you know, I got to touch on this. I've seen in the last several months, even the last couple years, there's been a rise in suicide rates amongst communities of color. Corey, what can we do about this, Corey? What are maybe some things that parents can do to, you know, maybe build a closer relationship with their children to maybe reduce the number of suicide rates amongst, you know, young people? What are some tips that you can offer around that, Corey? Because I do believe that, you know, it starts with conversation. It starts with trust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you build that or if you create that safety circle amongst, you know, people, then they'll be more willing to open up. You know, it won't be a, a hidden agenda or anything like that. And so, mm -hmm. Corey, what tips can you offer around that? I mean, with you being a parent and also once a caregiver, you know, what can you offer for either parents or friends of, you know, people who have expressed potentially suicidal thoughts or ideations? Yeah. I think of my, uh, what I call my triple A strategy. And I mean, it can be applied to different aspects of, of life, right? Um, but just again, helping people to, to move forward in whatever they're facing and ultimately knowing that you have to understand that people may need resources that are beyond what you can give anything that you can give. You can love a person as much as you can love that person, but professional help is important to consider as well. So my 
triple uh, a, a, a strategy is to acknowledge, accept, and advocate. So first with acknowledge, acknowledge that suicide is real. Dying by suicide is real. It's not specific to any race, any community, uh, any socioeconomic status, anyone, even Black people, youth, can think about, consider, attempt, or unfortunately actually die by suicide. And unfortunately in the black community, we don't talk about it enough. We've maybe been ashamed to talk about it. Maybe it makes us feel like we're less than uh, godly or less of a Christian because our, we're not praying enough to get rid of our problems. Or as far as our children are concerned, you know, we may think like, you don't have nothing to worry about. What are you, you know, sad for or talking about you depressed? You know, I've seen so many memes of, of younger black people, uh, children or, or youth millennials uh, reenacting like what they call their parents. And it's like, I you better walk your depressed self in there and do them dishes, you know, make it light of it. But it's also a serious point. And if they feel that they're being ignored, like they are being open and expressing how they feel but the person who they love, the person who should protect them is not acknowledging how they feel. So acknowledging that it is real. Again, we talked about earlier in the segments, mental illness is real. People aren't just acting. People aren't just not wanting to do something and acting out. So acknowledge, accept, if someone is living with severe mental illness, living with suicidal ideations, uh, attempts, accept that this is a part of their lives and there are ways to help them to live fully and freely with whatever um, situation they feel overwhelmed by. Accept that this person may never be who you expect them to be. For example, as a parent and you want your child to go to an Ivy League school because you went to an Ivy League school or you want your child to become a doctor because you became a doctor. Understand that if someone is living with severe mental illness, they may not be what you expect them to be. And you have to love them where they are and for who they are. So accept and then advocate once you're aware you acknowledge, you accept, you're able to advocate not only for your child or loved one, but for others in the community who may be struggling with things that you recognize and see in your household. You can't just continue to, I'm, I'm talking about children more specifically because I see now with this, you know, with the with the BIPOC mental health and being culturally competent with uh, mental health services, a lot of our uh, young black youth, uh, those who are from the LGBTQ uh, community are being more vocal about what they need to be productive in this life. And I feel that understanding the different aspects of people's lives helps us to be better advocates, not only for ourselves, as we see a lot of young people doing right now, they are open and advocating for themselves. But we as parents or elders in the community need to acknowledge and accept what we don't understand and help to advocate to. So my 
AAA strategy to help those who um, are considering suicide or, or the, uh, more so the, the individuals who don't know what to do with their loved one who may be considering suicide. And I think, you know, the more we can talk and, and let our children, again, I'm focusing on children, be open and expressing that and making sure that our children know that there is help available. Ultimately, it is their decision to receive that help. Ooh, absolutely, Corey. I thank you for that. I mean, because there's been so many cases in the last, like I said, year, couple months, and I don't see very many communities of color openly talking about that. And it's mm. affecting us a lot. And so, you know, I hope, Corey, to your point that more parents, you know, take time to listen, you know, give your kid the platform. Don't just, you know, shoo them away and say, take your depressed self in the kitchen and do the dishes, et cetera. You know, really listen to what they're saying and take a moment to be present with them in the moment. Absolutely. Ooh, well, everybody, <laughs> that was attorney Corey Minor Smith that you heard from. And that concludes another episode of Grew of Porsche, everybody. Thanks for listening and have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs>